I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Let's hang out. Hey everyone, welcome back to Les Hangout, the podcast that wants to make you feel like you're not the only queer in the world. I'm like, I want to go, but I can't keep going. Um, <laughs> even though sometimes you might be the only queer in your world, let's be real. But sometimes. here, you are not the only queer in the world. <laughs> Never with us. No. From the West Coast, I'm Lee Holmes Foster. <laughs> and from the East Coast, I'm Ellie Brigida. To those of you who have been with us through this whole journey, thank you as always for listening. If you're a new listener, welcome. We're excited to have you here. Here's what's happening this week. This week in the Lesdom. This week in the Lesdom is a place where we can touch base each episode about things going on with the podcast or otherwise. We want to let you know about all of our events that are happening. Coming up, we're still rolling with all the virtual events. So our first event coming up is May 8th. We are doing a karaoke night. We want to see you there. We want to see you singing. Or if you don't want to sing, just come hang out in the audience. We had a blast with all the people who were swaying in their little <laughs> Zoom squares. People people got real creative with their lighters yeah. for some songs. Uh, it was great. 
We also, on May 10th, so Clexicon is trying to bring us some virtual programming, and we are super excited. We're going to be doing one of the panels that we had been planning to do in person at Clexicon. It is called Shut Up and Take My Money. We're pumped for it. So yes. we're going to have some queer creators from all sorts of different media on to talk about how fans and consumers of their work can best help support queer creators and especially indie queer creators who are out there. I think it was, you know, certainly important to us um, when we were planning for Clexicon originally. It's even more, more important, important now, yeah. knowing how many, you know, indie creators are just really struggling through, you know, everything happening financially and economically right now. So that's going to be on May 10th from 12 to 1 Pacific time, which is 3 to 4 Eastern time and various other times in between those two throughout the rest of the country. We are going to be there. We're going to have some cool guests and we would love to see all of you there. I'm pretty positive it's free. All you have to do is register. We will make sure we have those links up on all of our social media so you can get registered and come hang out with us. Also on May 14th, we are so excited. We are hosting our first Buffy virtual trivia night. This is going to be bonkers. Seven seasons, all kinds of questions. We're not sure the difficulty level of them because Lee knows Buffy so well that <laughs> everything that comes out of her head as a question seems easy to her. So uh, it's a struggle. That's all I'm saying. I've seen the show a lot. Okay. <laughs> so we need all of you hardcore Buffy fans to show up. And we promise we will also, I will double check the questions. I have seen Buffy twice. So I feel <laughs> like that's like a good control group. I'll be able to help gauge if they're easier Ellie's or not. like our placebo group. It's yes. Fine. Yes. Great. But coming out with us May 14th, we're going to have an East Coast and a West Coast time slot. Come hang out. And in the greater Les universe, if anyone has been on bisexual Twitter, this past it's on fire right now. It's on fire. Uh, we just wanted to talk about the bi flag. There was a tweet or a Twitter account for BiNet that uh, basically claimed copyright over the bisexual flag. A lot of bisexual copyright lawyers came back and said, no, you don't own the flag. And it's just, it's all ablaze. It is all ablaze. It's been a day over on over on the Twitters right now. Yes. Is, uh, yeah, so we just want to say, look, bye, folk. We love you. We uh, support you using that flag all over the place. Yep. With impunity. Go nuts. And please, please, please don't let anybody tell you that they own it or your identity ever, ever for any reason. Okay, great. Great. This has been an episode of Let's Hang Out Court. That settled. <laughs> um, in even somehow more depressing news, uh, oh. wow, our this week is not good this not week. Not good. I'm sorry. Um, so we also want to say, I'm sure everyone has sort of seen at this point, that prides are mostly being canceled everywhere, at least in-person <sighs> events, like the parades, the festivals. Um, everything's kind of canceled. So I absolutely know there are so many different people and creators and and organizations that are working to bring us content and community and ways to connect throughout Pride Month. Um, we we will absolutely be doing the same. I mean, we are, you know, we've been doing our best through all of this to continue bringing events and community and things for people to do and connect with other queer people. So keep eyes out for that. I know, you know, this sucks. <laughs> when I found out that Boston Pride was canceled, I literally went into mourning. Like, I had a day where 
I was yeah, so... Yeah, Ellie's in all black right now. I was so... <laughs> Veil, depre- everything. I was so depressed. I really was. Like, it's something that we look forward to all year. So I just want to say, like, if you're sad, I'm also sad. Like, we're all very sad, but we're going to be sad together. And then we're going to pick ourselves up and we are going to do as much as we can to still keep pride going because nothing can cancel pride. In-person prides can be canceled, but they cannot cancel our pride in our hearts. (laughs) (laughs) That's the spirit. That's the spirit. (sighs) That's what's happening this week. Back to you, Ellie and Lee. Thanks, Ellie and Lee. We are so excited to be bringing you episode 15 of season three, Only Queer in the Room. And we're thrilled to have an expert here to help us dive into this topic. We're joined today by Jennifer Brown, a leading diversity and inclusion expert, dynamic keynote speaker, best-selling author, award-winning entrepreneur, and host of the Will to Change podcast, which uncovers true stories of diversity and inclusion. Thank you for Jennifer, hanging out with us, thank Jennifer. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, thank you. I'm so psyched to be here. You're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it was the Rihanna intro that did it, right? Yeah. Yes. If you start with Rihanna, that's you know, everything. Can't only go down from there. But. Indeed. <laughs> so after that illustrious intro that Ellie gave, I, I mean, the the better question is, what don't you do? But tell us a little <laughs> bit just about how you kind of landed where you are now. Like, how did you get uh, started with all of this? Because so you have, a, you ha- we know the secrets. You have like a a unique past, I guess. I a mean, unique yeah, uh, path a, for how you got here. It's a little surprising. And that's actually really typical for people that do what I do. There literally is no recipe. We kind of make it up as we go along. And then all of a sudden, poof, you're a diversity consultant. <laughs> um, <laughs> my career kind of started in nonprofits in my 20s. And I was in community service and all that. And I was singing on the side. So I'm an artist and a musician. And I was sort of very high level amateur, I suppose, right? I was singing with the Boston Symphony. I was a studio vocalist. I was teaching voice, like everything I could do. Um, and then That's I did... what you're still calling amateur? I know. Oh, I, know, I, know. <laughs> I don't know what I call I know, it. Not making any money. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's a weird field. Um, even when you're making money, you're 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 starving or uh, yeah. It's I, I write gay true. songs for a podcast. True. Where does that rank me? Yeah, I think... <laughs> you're a high level a amateur. amateur. Okay. You are. <laughs> for sure. Um, and so I actually moved to New York to study opera. I finally bit the bullet and I was like, I gotta go where it's happening. Um, and I moved to New York knowing no one, and I started a master's degree in voice, and I just was so, so thrilled, just felt so lucky. Um, but then I had voice surgery um, because I kept injuring my voice through the course of training, which is really tough, obviously. I just didn't have a very strong instrument. Um, no matter how much I tried and wanted it badly, it, it just wasn't going to cooperate. And so I left about that behind and I, um, there are tons, obviously New York is full of performers who have failed and had to reinvent and that was me. And so I had some friends who said, you know, you love the stage. Why don't you become a trainer, like a corporate trainer? And I was like, well, what is that? And I ended up kind of morphing into being somebody who was on a stage of sorts. I suppose it's like the classroom in the workplace, right? Teaching what we call what we call soft skills, uh, meaning like presentation skills and business writing and business etiquette and all this like ridiculous stuff. Uh, But I really liked it. I enjoyed it. It was definitely the performer in me. It was very much like the change agent in me, I guess, like the person who really wants to make the world better when I realized how broken so much of the workplace was. And as an LGBT person, of course, I'd been closeted as a performer for sure. I mean, I was out to my friends 
But I think that every performer lives in fear of go, going in front of a casting director and having them actually know who you are versus wanting to cast you as like the, the young love interest or the little mm-hmm. sister or the young bride. Or, <laughs> and I, I didn't love that on lots of levels, actually. Um, but I, I was terrified, you know, and I thought my career would be over and I didn't see anybody that I thought shared my story or my identity. Like even if we were there, we didn't talk about it. And then I, I was pivoting before I quit. I was in music theater. I mean, and that's also kind of what used to be anyway, like brutal in terms of sort of heteronormative roles. Then I, I became a corporate trainer. I started my own company. I had some HR jobs in there. And then I um, got my own LLC, put my name on the door. Um, I got certified as a woman-owned company and also a LGBT-owned company. Um, and I don't know if your listenership know that's a thing, but it is. And um, that kind of enabled me to feel a lot more confidence about being out as a business owner but it would still be a really long time, I think, before I could kind of stand in a room and come out like over and over again, particularly when it was room full of like what appeared to me to be white, straight, cisgender men executives. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, it's terrifying on multiple levels, <laughs> really uncomfortable. Uh, and, you know, you never know how people are going to react and um, you kind of just lose people's attention. And I think for me, too, um, I can pass through the world as a heterosexual person. So that's really interesting too, to kind of, you know, always be coming out and making that choice and thinking about the impact and the the consequences. I don't know if that's a privilege or not. I wouldn't call it that, but it's just something that I've been like acutely aware of. Um, So now I try to be as out as I can be. And I try to be out all the time because to me, not having had role models, I'm like, I got it. It doesn't matter how I feel today. Like I need to be here so someone can see if they see themselves in me or I give them a little confidence this day to like bring more of their full selves to their job or whatever. Like that's my work Mm -hmm. really. Yes. I know you talk about this a lot in your book about like bringing your full self to work. And I wonder like, cause I don't feel like I bring, well, I bring my full self to this job. (laughs) (laughs) But like, wait, Ellie, are you gay? What? What? No. But like, I don't know, like other things like like I go into preschools and I sing to kids and like I'm singing to kids in preschools and I don't tell those kids in preschool that I'm gay. And sometimes like there's like sort of a different line there. It's like, okay, well, do I need to tell them here? But I'm waiting for the day you show up uh, for those lessons in your Les shirt. Just- I, know, yeah. right? <laughs> I told you this. I had a like a stressed nightmare one time that I showed up to preschool in my Les hangout sweatshirt. Like and I like tried to take it off and change into my like jamming with you outfit and I like couldn't take it off. Oh I was, my like, god! Hiding it from the kids, like it was perfect. literally a stress dream. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of people feel like even like like myself, who obviously is like screaming from the rooftops on social media and everywhere. In certain situations, you do feel like it's a part of yourself that you have to hide. How do you navigate like being a hundred percent yourself in every situation that you're in? And also, like, why do you think that that? is such a positive thing for the workplace? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I think that everybody, what we call covers, which means, you know, not necessarily denying who we are, right? Maybe you're out, but you don't talk about it, right? Or maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, some people know and some other people don't. Like a lot of people are very incremental about it. Um, And it depends on your manager. You know, I'm sure you can all think about your bosses that you've had, you know, some understand and some don't. Some companies are supportive and some are not, right? You could have a supportive manager and a not supportive organization and boss. It takes so many different forms. And I think, um, I do think I still, if I still struggle with it and I'm, you know, 
been at this. I've been out for like 25 years. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. dating myself, but I came out when I was 22. And, and if I sit there and still wonder how is this going to impact the, my credibility, my ability to be believed and taken seriously and have the gravitas and the power that I need to do what I do. I know that, you know, what's the statistic? 50% of us are still closeted in the workplace. So, mm-hmm. you know, look that statistic up on hrc.org, like know the facts because we are masters of disguise in this community and we're still kind of constructing these elaborate lies or sort of just kind of leaving it conveniently out, which is, I think, I think much more, perhaps more common. Um, and we do that, you know, we do that so for survival. I mean, there's no judgment. I think we do it because we, we sense rightly or wrongly. And I want to point out often wrongly that others are not going to get it, support us, learn from our stories, right? So I think we deprive others of the learning opportunity by playing small and minimizing and downplaying. Like we, we sort of skip over that opportunity to really be like pleasantly surprised. And, and, um, I think we all as gay people like have stories like this, right? Our cut when we were terrified for years and then it's like one conversation and it's done and it's just this giant relief. Right. So, you know, we still do this to ourselves. And I think, I think we internalize like the playing small really has an impact on our confidence, right. And how we, how we embody who we are. And I think it impacts our productivity. It's distracting. It's, um, demeaning in a way. Um, so it's not, it doesn't, I think, send a good message to our hearts and minds, you know, that I'm somehow less than, and therefore I'm going to like, you know, incrementally share and sanitize what people see about me or experience. You know, I, I don't think it's healthy for us to do this. Um, so anyway, I think, I think most of the time these days, um, there be, there are, and I don't want to generalize, but you know, good things could surprise you if we were more authentic. And I I think we've got a whole army of people now that are like, Jennifer, I want to do more. I want to be a more inclusive leader. I want to, I want to know your story. You know, there, there's more of, at least in my environments, there's a lot of questions now. Like people are like, Oh, what is, what does pronouns mean? Like, what is that? How do I share my pronouns and why should I do that? <laughs> what is a pronoun? What You're is like, a pronoun? you know what, what is a pronoun is. What if but, it's grammatically yeah, incorrect? Yeah, like, oh, I love yes. that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it is funny though, because it's like, you know, there's there's Ellie's experience, I think, of you know, when you're in certain situations where like, it doesn't feel as appropriate and stuff. And then I'm thinking of like, for me on the flip side, I'm like, I show up in my, you know, homonormative (laughs) shirt at the office, like every other week or whatever. And it's like, and they, you know, all my coworkers know about the podcast. Like there's, there's no secrets of, um, you know, what my sexuality is or, uh, whether I am interested or, or, you know, willing to talk about it. I think there's like generational differences between us. Right. Mm-hmm. So, oh, that, yeah, obviously. For sure. um, <laughs> I mean, I have to point it out, though. Right. I think we've got to be really patient with other generations um, and understand like what it was like. You know, those old habits and memories really die hard for a lot of us. Yeah. You know, I still meet people who are retiring in two years and have like lived the lie their whole careers at a company. And they're like, you know, why come out now? I'm like two years away from retirement. I was like, really? Yeah. It's amazing. No, and, it, and it is. It's funny. Like, because I do uh, in in my particular office of my company, there's only a, a dozen of us in San Francisco. Uh, and I am the only lesbian in my office. Uh, I know I'm not in my company. And, um, and it's, yeah, it's funny sometimes to like, to navigate those generational distances where I'm like, I make absolutely no secret about this. Um, and like, maybe you are in some ways, but like, also look at you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
I'm like, like, I I literally had those moments with some of my coworkers and like other parts of the company where I'm like, do you think other people don't know? (laughs) Or like, do you, I don't understand. Like it's, this is interesting because it's, you know, it's not. But it's that unspoken thing. Open, like it doesn't come out in conversation. That's covering, right? That's that kind of minimizing. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. And so that to me, it's, it's been really interesting because as someone, for me actually going back to when I was in grad school and I was teaching, you know, like TAing classes and stuff and having uh primarily classes of like 18 19 year old students and a lot of them they you know it was almost always um first year students they're away from home for the first time they're away from their parents for the first time uh a lot of them exploring parts of themselves that they maybe haven't before and so it was always really important to me to be like i am this is there's no secret there's no shame there is no nothing like I am not going to hide anything and I want all like every one of my students to be aware that it's like, this is me. I'm super, super gay and very, very happy. And like my life is fine and everything is cool. And like, you know, and especially at the time, it was like going through all of the like, I'm engaged, I'm getting married. Like, you know, I wanted that to be visible for my students specifically. And and I know that there are kids for whom it, it had a huge effect or a huge importance in their lives or like their comfort with... They show up to class the next day and they're also in a sweat, in a vest. <laughs> they cut their hair the exact <laughs> same. <laughs> <laughs> like, so I mean, like... <laughs> I definitely had more than one time where I'd like, you know, make some offhand comment in class and then have like a girl on her way out at the end of class that day kind of like lean over and be like, Here's me also outing myself, you know, like kind of, oh, so cute. <laughs> like kind of off to the side, yes. and I'm like, I see, I see you. I like I knew, but it's thanks cool. for telling it's me. Cool. That's lovely. Um, we didn't have yeah, that. Yeah, and it at was. All. It was. It's so sweet, you know. But I think that like that then transitioned into like entering a regular job at a regular old company of like. I don't want to have to do anything else, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I, what's the point? What's mm-hmm. the point of going to work every day and feeling like I can't talk to people about who I really am or what's actually going on in my life? Um, and if that's going to be an issue, like, I'd rather know from day one, you know? Like, if you can't handle me during an interview mentioning my wife, then, like, I don't want to work here. I love your attitude. I wish <laughs> well, more people would say what... that. <laughs> but, you know, to have what would to be I think the privilege of being able to say that we've got to acknowledge our oh, yeah. a huge amount of privilege. Right? In it. it's Absolutely, like we can pick and choose, you know, and that's yes. we are so fortunate. But um, but it's also with the knowledge that I have that privilege. Like realistically, I have I have a good background, I have a good degree, I have skills that will be valuable to companies. Like I, I'm not worried that I wouldn't be able to find another job if I ever had to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like you know having that security, I feel like I I have to be out right. Like, yeah, how could you not? How could you not? Because so many people can't. And that's the the truth of it is, is like, I know that there's a lot of people who still can't do that, you know, or for whom it is not safe to do that or who have to hide for other reasons from their family or from, you know, so it it feels like it would be such a waste of like the opportunity to be like blatantly in your face gay in my office every day to do anything, anything else, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, Do you remember when like Tim Cook came out? The bat on uh, CEO of Apple, you know, the interesting yeah. thing is he wasn't out. He was covering. I mean, he. I think it was known, but it wasn't talked about. And then mm-hmm. I think the story goes anyway that that employees were just pressuring him and were like, you know, this is just sending the wrong message, and we don't think that this message is good for employees or good for the world, you know. And 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 the usual right. excuses of, well, I'm a private person, you know, this doesn't really matter to the business, you know, it's all that. 
all those excuses. <laughs> and finally he relented, you know, and he, but you talk about doing that from a place of privilege, you know, that's like the ultimate yeah. example. But I also thought it was interesting because, you know, many of us, I think still do in certain generations don't think this has to do with our leadership. Like it doesn't have to do with like, why, why would I talk about this, you know, in the workplace? And, you know, but we can sit here on this call and say, how could you possibly not bring your full self to work? Like, and, and, and still expect yourself to do your best work? You know, how can you sort of leave so much of yourself at the door and expect to be present and creative and a great colleague and, you know, build trust with people when you're sort of doing that with your hands tied behind your back because you're not really talking about like half of yourself, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's just, it is very interesting that how his process of coming out more publicly. And I, I, I use that a lot with leaders who I'm trying to get to kind of share their diversity stories and be more vulnerable and be whole more full people. Um, particularly, particularly the straight white cisgender male leaders who tend to dominate industry. I'm like, you know, we, it's funny, the courage that LGBTQ people have is so, um, it is so shaped us and made us into awesome human beings. <laughs> True. But into like really courageous Agreed. people. Scientific fact. Yes. Fat <laughs> fact. That is absolute, not fake news. Um, <laughs> we are, you know, but we're very courageous. We um, have gone through the process, I think, and the, the deep fear of losing everything we have and those that we love in order to be true to ourselves. Like there kind of is no darker night of the soul, you know, than to imagine what we're putting on the line. And that I think mm-hmm. is profound. I mean, I know it has changed me. It has shaped me. It has made me resourceful and emotionally intelligent and flexible, like to so many degrees that I, I don't know if I natively would have been. But and it, and it was it originated in terms of needing the resilience for survival. But it actually has made me so much of a better leader. And and when you kind of flip it that way and don't look at this as a as a challenge from an identity perspective, but actually something that like is the greatest gift it shifts the whole energy in the conversation. And this is the way I teach it in corporations, actually, when we do what's called high potential programs for talent at like a big bank. I might have a group of 35 LGBTQ leaders for three days in a room, and we can talk about all these things. We can talk about, you know, the gifts of being LGBTQ and like people cry. I mean, they, mm. they have never been in a room before with all LGBTQ people talking about their leadership journey, talking about what's important to them, feeling that, they can relax for once, you know, and not have to be code switching and covering and, you know. Oh, there's so many things I want to talk about. I right know, now. I know. I'll just stop right there. I'll just stop right there. <laughs> no, well, let's, let's start with the fact that, like, also, how different would it be to have the experience of doing a thing, like, for work in a room full of queer people? That would be amazing. Yeah. Like, what strikes me all the time is, like, how few of us actually have that experience. You know, it's like, I understand if you're working at, like, a small indie queer owned business and like maybe you have a higher population of your coworkers who are also queer people but like most of us man you're going into like a, a desk job office job like whatever it is that you're doing you're not going in and being surrounded by queer people all day Sadly. in the way that so many true. of us are in our in our, in own our lives, like social our lives or in every yeah. other Very part true. of our lives yeah and so there is like there's you know i mean i, I understand that like I think code switching in the sense that it's usually used and in the in the way that it's like primarily for uh for a lot of like minority groups, I think it's certainly something that queer people experience yeah. as well of like you don't have the same conversations with a whole bunch of straight people at work that you do with like all your other gay friends at home cuz like you can't. <laughs> yes. 
I mean, I'm curious too, like what are, I feel like every time I'm in a room with I'm the only gay person and everyone else. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics from personal stories to hot button issues. We cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. It's not. You have so many of the same conversations, like, because all they want to do is, like, understand you, like, and understand, like... We should come with, like, placard signs you could just write. Like, what your world is like. Like, I'm just curious. Like, what are, what for you do you think are, like, the top things that people ask you to be, like, how do I, as a straight cis person, like, understand your life, your culture? You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They just want to know, like, you know, language to use. Um, I think it's, like, what if I say the wrong thing? Like, they do want to know about pronouns. And, like, I'm so I'm so happy as a cisgender-identified person to come out as cisgender and make sure, like, I'm disclosing that. And then I get to educate people about it. And I, I encourage everybody that I'm ever on stage with to we all share our pronouns, right? So, um, anyway, I, I try to – I know what they're thinking. It's what they say and what they think maybe are two different things as well because when they find out I'm a member of the community, they're, they're just flummoxed. You know, they just – I just think people are – you know, there's stereotypes that are held that I might defy um, in terms of perhaps how I express my, my gender expression, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I always – funny enough, I don't know if there's truth in it because, like, when I was coming out, there were no gay women that I could see that really – had the same gender expression that I had, you know, mm-hmm. we used to use the word femme back then. Um, everybody thought I was, a, I was the straight friend that was going out clubbing with, yep. right. <laughs> I so, have that. So as, I have it, that as well. That's yeah, not sure. generational. That's not generational. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so that still happens. I understand you. <laughs> yes. You and I, yes. There used to be something called femcon or something. I, I never made it to the conference, but I was like, oh my God, what? There's hilarious. enough of us for a conference? Really? <laughs> We we did a whole episode on uh, on like style presentation, oh, really? like gender expression, and everything. That. So Ellie Ellie is officially a blue jeans, blue jeans femme. femme. Oh, okay, That's blue what, jeans okay. femme. Okay. And then we made up mine, which is andro femme boy. Oh, I like that. I like <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> you know what we did in um, in the LGBT leadership program I was telling you about. Um, it was mainly mostly men. So this was a corporate environment, mostly men and like a, a, just a smattering of women. Right. Interesting. Right. So that tells you a lot, too, about sort of who's out and who's not in workplaces. Yeah, there's a there's absolutely a gendered thing going on. And then um, I had the the women in the room come and line up in the front of the room. And I totally was breaking so many rules. But I I think like the men in the room really wanted to understand gay women and felt like we were this alien species. Um <laughs> So, you know what I mean? So we, yeah. we lined up and we lined up as we identified from an expression perspective, like what we were comfortable with from sort of feminine normative to masculine normative and understand this is so imperfect and like language fails us and all of it. But I was on like the femme end and then there was a woman next to me and she said, well, we call, I identify as femme aggressive. And mm. so, so she and I look like we express similarly, but she identifies as very, if it's very dominant. And then I'm more like 
I'm pretty mellow. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a business owner, but I'm in, in many ways, I'm sort of a type B kind of, I'm a more mellow person. I don't need to be always dominant. I always need, need to be running everything. And so, so we lined up and we had the, the women in the middle identify as some kind of soft butch, what I think what you just said, Lee, like some combination. Andrew Femme boys. Yes. Yes, <laughs> indeed. Yep. And then, it, and then it went down and then we actually talked about our shoes, our hair, how do we feel comfortable presenting? I tried to be butch when I came out so that I, so that I would be seen in we the community. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was ridiculous on me. Like, it was such a failure. It was not good. Um, it was not Did me. you buzz? Did you go full buzz? Just No, you know, no, I never went. I, I didn't quite do that. But, like, I just was, like, see me as part of the community. Like, I was so tired yeah. of being stereotyped by my own community. And then it made me think that I was a sellout because I was comfortable expressing in a certain way. That was mm-hmm. sort of more, I suppose, like fit the expectations of what a woman, you know, woman needs to look like and dress like. And it was just very confusing. So, um, but in the lineup, then we talked about who we're attracted to. And so that was really interesting too. Oh, that's so, fun. So we, we sort of, we separated, I know it was fun. So, um, I like this kind of woman, right? Like, you know, I like, you know, so I'm like, I like women on the other end of the line, you know, for me, where from where I was standing, you know, because that's true for me. I, I mm-hmm. definitely you know, don't tend to have much interest. I mean, I've been with my partner for 20 years, uh, but women that express like me, not really, not really doing it for me. You're not, you're not femme for femme is what you're saying. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I've uh, That is very true. <laughs> Thank you for giving me that. So anyway, it was just really fun. And the, and the guys in the room were so, they were so excited to kind of understand our world because it's, it's just, I don't know if you both agree. It's just so, so yeah. different. It's very different. Very yes. different. It is. Yes. It so is different. really different. I need an episode also, on that. <laughs> I'm so fascinated by like that whole thing because I'm like that would be such a fun. I, part of me wants to just like make my company do that with all with you know like the vast majority of straight yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't with. that be I'm interesting? Like, this would be amazing. It's like, so true. And, and also because it's bringing up like another thing that I I didn't even really think about at first. I'm like I don't make any secret of like my life and my family and like who I am or or whatever. But it's also like my coworkers like they know if we're going to a customer or a conference or like any you know we it's a pretty low key office like we are jeans and and a sweater or a shirt or whatever every day. But if if you're like dressing up to go to a customer or dressing up to go somewhere like they know I'm showing up in dress pants and a button down shirt and <laughs> like yep. like my my co-worker that I work with primarily like the guy who's like my counterpart like we always joke because we happen to usually show up in like matching button downs and stuff and like, <laughs> like there's no secret about what I'm wearing and how I dress and how you know I like it's it. I hadn't even thought about that part of it but god that would be such a fun it was uh, really because you know straight, really straight people have gender expression too and exactly right yeah. it's like it's so we're all on a spectrum which is part of what I teach all the time is that this identity is not a binary Sexual orientation is not a binary and gender identity is not a binary. So we're all, if, and even straight people are somewhere on this, this continuum. And so there's yeah. no us and them. So it's very, and it leads to really interesting But I feel like they, they spend so much less time thinking about it or like being aware of it all the time, you know, Whereas like we in are the, all in constantly aware of our spectrum. Yes. <laughs> constantly. Constantly. And constantly placing other people on our idea of it. Like, it's yeah, true. I just, I bet it would be so, uh, yeah. so interesting to do that. It really is. I also find it really interesting, like the gendered thing about it too. Why do you think that it's like gay men are more comfortable being out mm. than queer women in the workplace? I'm I have just a lot curious. of thoughts on that. So we didn't talk earlier about intersectionality. So that's my answer to this, is that mm. the more stigmatized identities you hold, 
at once, the you know more stigmatized you are, the more covering you do or feel that you need to do. And then I think there's some diversities that we can't hide. So if I'm already the only woman in the room, am I also going to sort of, you know, double down and come out, right? I'm already fighting to get a voice and be heard and seen in a male-dominated environment. And then I add being queer, right? Then you add being a woman of color or you mm -hmm. add being a trans woman or somebody who's gender fluid. So the complexities of who we are, it's like our audience can only handle like one thing at a time. <laughs> <laughs> Bless their hearts. So that's what we have to change, right? We've got to be able to, we have to be able to fully show up and about things we can hide. Ideally, we have workplaces where all of us will be embraced, you know, that it won't shock people, that we have programs in place, that we normalize a conversation, whether it's about like mental health and mental illness, you know, that's another intersectional identity too, that I think, you know, we, we, we strive to not talk about and yet so many are suffering from. But if you add that to being a queer woman of color, you're just, you're going to like overwhelm the system. People's processing just can't, and all the stereotypes that are kicked up because of our various identities, like we are constantly battling those microaggressions or macroaggressions, you know, all the time. So, so to survive and to sort of minimize the noise, you might choose to not come out. Um, and I think that's why women are closeted because they're fighting so hard to just be women. Um, <laughs> and then you keep adding identity. So I don't know. Does that make sense? Does that sound... Like it's no, right. yes. So I'm like, yeah. as a woman, yes. As that a makes woman, yes. <laughs> a lot of sense. Yes. Indeed. I understand exactly what you're saying. <laughs> For yeah. sure. For sure. I'm curious though, like what from the perspective of comparing most work settings where you're gonna go in and be the the token queer person in that space to going into a work setting where you're just like surround like here are thirty-five other queer leaders you know, in whatever industry, like what would, what do you think was like the biggest standout for you of like that comparison? Um, oh my gosh. It's, it's safety. It's being able to breathe. It's letting your guard down. It's like having common language, you know, and then you, and then you realize how much, how hard you're working in your day-to-day -day life when you're not in that room. You know, I think that the contrast becomes really clear and you're like, you realize you're like the duck paddling furiously under the water, but like trying to look all serene on the top. You know, it's, it's really a lot of work. People say I'm exhausted every day and it's sort of, I call it death by a thousand cuts. You know, it's all of the, the little ways that you feel excluded and it's not purposely done. It is in the sort of casual day-to-day -day stuff where it, but it, that's the, that's the thousand cuts, thousand paper cuts, right? It's like these, it's not really the like, like bias right in your face these days. I mean, so in some yeah. places it is, but it's really gone underground. And I think it's, um, it continues to wear on us a lot. So yeah, that's what I would say. How do we fight against that? Like, what's the solution for that? The, well, I work a lot with affinity groups. So in the corporate world um, and in any large organization, nonprofits too, there are, um, there are LGBTQ plus groups, right? There are thousands of people in these communities within, a, within an employer. Um, and if there's not one, you should start one at your job. Um, really important. And um, if you have enough people, maybe your group is going to be full of allies to start, you know, because you may not have a lot of... <laughs> Or maybe you have a multicultural group to start and you have all kinds of diverse identities in it, right? But the point is to have critical mass. The point is to realize you're never alone, that um, lots of people, whether whatever identity they hold, they are work, they're the duck paddling furiously. 
And so there's a commonality across your experiences that you can really strategize around and feel community around and talk about like, you know, what do I do when, when I hear my colleagues say this? You know, what's my response? And brainstorm and, you know, just be strategic, I think, about our own self-care because that isolation can really take its toll on us. And if you're a company or you're in a place in the world where this just isn't possible, you know, find your online communities, find industry groups that are dedicated to LGBTQ stuff, LGBTQ law, doctors, journalists, I mean, everything. Like, depending on what you do, there's always a trade association. I'm in the, the gay-owned business community, the NGLCC, and I'm, I love that group. And I love, I just love being in community and talking about our challenges as business owners through an LGBTQ lens. And it's not always about being gay business owners, but it's, um, it's just a wonderful conversation. I love that because we have all this online stuff, you actually can find that now. I think about a lot of the time like before the podcast, but I was out and like I had a good group of gay friends, but I also would have like a group of a group of straight friends, which I still have. But it's like when you're that one person in this group of a bunch of other straight people, there tends to be like, like Lee was saying before, like a tokenization and othering that happens. And I don't know, this is like just something I think about a lot where it's like there's something I feel like my straight friends don't understand why I feel more comfortable with all my gay friends. Right. Mm. And they're like, but like, we're your friends. Like, come hang out with us. <laughs> That's so true. But like, is there skit <laughs> <cute> straight people? <laughs> I'm like, is there a way to reconcile that like tokenization, that othering with also mm. like loving these people and feeling like a part of the group? Mm. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. It's it's hard. It's weird. I mean, you feel like you're on an island. Oh, that's such a good word for it. Yeah. Yeah. And they yeah. And I think the the best efforts are they need to be appreciated by us, right? It's it's probably never going to I guess um feel as good as being seen and heard in a community of our own. You know, don't forget by the way that some of us really don't feel seen and heard by the gay community either, right? Yeah. And so like mm-hmm. talk about co- complex you know, I think there's tremendous, you know, the gay community has its own diversity issues, like we've kind of been alluding to. Racism, sexism, mm-hmm. transphobia, socioeconomic, you know, ignoring sort of the, the most vulnerable in our community, you know, fighting for rights and privileges that benefit the most privileged um, in the community. So there, there's just so much I call the diversity within the diversity. You know, it's our dirty laundry as a as a community, too. So so it's something to, to not always, just because we might feel more comfortable doesn't mean everybody does. I, and then you're really an island, right? Because you don't, you're sort of in the middle. You're like, well, where do I fit in? You know, neither group really makes sense. I mean, it's like a lot of like biracial people describe their experience, right? No, they, they're not black enough. They're not white enough. Like, just, yeah. um, but yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if there's, if there's an answer per se, but it's just good to be aware that that you're feeling that and that it's real. And, you know, I suppose to have, make sure that you have your community where you can actually relax, like in some part of your life, you have to be able to just be seen and heard and not have to work so hard at it. And that's what I would wish for everybody is to, to have that. And, you know, an ally friendship, a friendship with an ally can be like deeply restorative. I mean, I, I always say straight allies, like, just move me in a really amazing way. And so amongst those straight colleagues, I think also our goal should be to really, really build a strong relationship with somebody that has our back no matter what, that doesn't identify as we do, but like, that's kind of the point, you know, somebody who's really just in it with us, ride or die. Like we say the word accomplice now. So it kind of goes to a different level from ally. It's like, 
I'm in your getaway car and like, I'm at the wheel. You come here anytime and like, we're out of here. Like, or I'm going to have your back or I'm going to fight for stuff so that you don't have to, or I'm going to say something so that you don't always have to be the one like putting yourself in harm's way career wise. You know, if somebody says something, you know, that kind of stuff to me is enormous. Like when somebody does yeah. that, it's, it's hugely significant. And so I just would say, you know, there are allies that are waiting, I think, to be encouraged and kind of ignited like all around us. And I remember one of my favorite allies said, I never knew I was doing anything that was helpful. And then somebody from the community said to me, you're an ally. And I just, I want to thank you for just doing what you did or saying what you said. Or she, and she said, what does that even mean? Like, what are you trying to tell me? And then she was like, oh, mm -hmm. I can do more of that. Oh, okay. That's making a difference. Okay. Let me do more. Let me do more of that. And like, since yeah. then it's been this like intentional road that she's been on to be like a better and better and better straight ally. And like, I just, that is like breathtaking to me. It's beautiful. And, but, and sometimes it's such small things yeah. too, you know, where it's like, I have, I have one really good friend at work where same thing. I mean, she has been more than happy to like, listen to me come in and just talk about like, stupid gay shit all the time and and stuff that like the thing that i think about when you go into work and you're working with like primarily straight people the thing that's hard sometimes is like they just they don't even know the stuff that they don't know right. that makes you feel out of place mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. because they have never experienced it they've never had to had to justify some of the conversations that you end up having to justify and so even just you know like going in and like talking through like she was one of the people when we were planning starting the podcast and i would go in and like you know like bounce ideas about like we're talking about doing this and we're going to be doing this and it's so cool and she was like, why? <laughs> um, and not in like a bad way, but in like a genuinely yeah, curious yeah, way. Yeah. Like, why, like, why? Why would you like, why would people want to listen so to like, that? Is that a thing? Do people do that? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Let me yes. tell you all about it. Um, but even like what that turns into is just something so simple as like, I know, like we've had situations where we're at work dinners together where like, you know, someone like a, a coworker or a, a, you know, manager or a boss or something like someone will just make some comment that I'm just like, oh, my God, like, yeah. Did you really just say that out loud in a room like full of people that work with you? And like just sometimes having someone that like when you look over and she's just pointedly making eye contact with me being like, I know how that Aww, so <laughs> I know how that hits you. And I know you're probably really frustrated right now and trying not to say something. And I'm just like, oh, my God, it's like such a small thing. But like when you don't have that other queer person in the room mm -hmm. that, you know, is going to be there for you mm -hmm. to be to like have that moment of like wow, <laughs> straight obliviousness, um, that sometimes you just need someone who's like, I have heard you talk about this enough that like, I know, and I'm here, <laughs> Aww, yes. you know, and like, that can be, that. That, that's huge. It just makes such a big difference because those are the times um, when you don't have that, that I think you feel the most out of place where you're just like, am I the only person experiencing like this deep, deep discomfort with what just happened right now? Like, did no one else that didn't even hit anyone like it? just nothing registered, you know? And it's like, I feel like we have that happen a lot. <laughs> that happens a lot, you know? Like, whether they mean to or not, it's just people say oblivious stuff sometimes when they're not aware or when they're not, you know, they don't they don't realize things that they're not yeah. educated on or not, right. like, and then conscious you, And then of you have to and... do the what we call emotional labor, right? You've got to, like, teach, and then you got to explain, and then mm -hmm. educate, and whatever, whatever. And so it's it's tiring. I mean, this is what I think leads to burnout, because we're always in this teaching role, because we're tokenized, because we're the only, you know, if we don't say anything, then no one's going to say anything, and then nobody will learn. And so it kind of leaves you in this place of, well, if I don't say something, then the learning's not going to happen. Like I, and it's right. just going to, they're going to proceed on and they're going to say it again and cause more harm. 
So then you're in this predicament of always being the squeaky wheel. Oh, that's me. Yeah. Okay. And some people love being the squeaky Lee's wheel. Lee's like, I like being the squeaky wheel. <laughs> I squeak so good. Yeah. <laughs> you are good. <squeaker. laughs> a charming squeaker. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. But it can be really, you know, you can be penalized for always being the squeaky wheel. Remember, like... The, the research I read is like you remind people about your diversity all the time by being the squeaky wheel, by being the person that's like, oh, there she goes again. You know, that that can actually harm us in terms of how we're viewed as, say, professional in quotes, yeah. right? Or troublemaker or angry or, you know, and by the way, we're not the only community that's having this exact same conversation. People Absolutely. of color are all mm-hmm. talking about this all the time, I can promise you. It's across the board. It's basically being had by anybody. So in a room you're in, you're never the only one that's being offended. <laughs> I think we could probably safely say that, right? And so that's why I think where yeah. I've come to is we all need to have each other's backs. Like we, we really need to know enough about the microaggressions that impact all of us and all of our diversities. And we need to be looking out for each other and sort of shouldering the load. And so yeah. if you've got a boss who's, quasi-racist, but not very often homophobic, maybe there, <laughs> maybe there's a way you can be an ally. Are you saying there are some of them out there? Yeah. I find that hard no, to imagine. Right? I know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that was a bad example, but <laughs> you know no, what I mean? No, I bet there's a lot of people nodding along nodding right now. Nodding along. So anyway, you're never alone, but I think, you know, and some of us just, we're not very good at confronting things. You know, there's a real difference between introverts and extroverts and people who yeah. love conflict and people who avoid conflict. And you know, I think too, being allies to each other, like you, Lee, maybe you, if you were my friend and you were like, Jen, I don't like the way that that person talked to you in that meeting or that, that guy stole your idea. You know, yeah. you could say you, instead of me, if I'm conflict averse, you could be like, Hey, wait a second. Like that was Jennifer's idea. And I really want to hear more from her. Like, I want to say that that was a great idea and let me build on that. Right. So re- refocusing the conversation, like at we, it's like the women in Ob- Obama's cabinet that like decided that they were going to they were going to shift how they supported each other because they just weren't being heard. Yeah. And they made a plan and they went in and they changed, you know, body language, eye contact, refer- referencing each other, calling each other by name, echoing people's points, like totally taking control. And I, that's my kind of fantasy that we can, we don't. If you haven't noticed yet that that would be my role in this situation. Would. I, I know, I can tell. <laughs> that would be me. Yeah, I can really tell. I can, you'd be my mouthpiece for sure. <laughs> I am not a soft-spoken person, you know? My take on the straight people I work with is if you didn't want to listen to me talk about how Hustlers was really gay, then you should have hired someone else. That's, that's I haven't on seen you that guys. movie yet, but I believe you. Oh, it's it you, super gay. A, you should watch it. That's There's no excuse. Terrible. You're under quarantine. It's, yeah, you know, okay, okay. Take, take two hours. Okay. Definitely worth it. It's a it. good time. Um, and then you can listen to our Should Have Been Gay on it, because it's the gayest oh, movie ever. I love that. Oh, my gosh. The gayest, the gayest movie made this year. Can we tell have you are you all fans of Gentleman Jack, by the way, to take a, a oh, side God, yes. step? Yes. Do you know yes. I my partner and I were supposed to be on a plane this coming week to go to Halifax oh. <gasps> for oh, the no. birthday weekend. Yes, that the is the most weekend. disappointing thing. Yes, ancestral home. My partner was gonna drag me to all the talks by all the his historians, all wow. the all the people who decoded the diaries. All, you know, I'm sure people were going to be dressed up. I'm sure, I'm sure it was going to be like a total 
You'll yeah, get know, there. Right? You'll get boring. there. And it will be that I much think so. I know, I right? Think so. Except, can I tell you, I love Ann Lister even more now. I was listening to a podcast that uh, yeah. that is, it's called Very Gay, Very Ladylike, and they're like all about uh, Ann Lister and General Jack. But the one that I listened to, like one of their first ones, they mentioned how she was like 5'2". Really? Yeah, which Saran Jones obviously is not. Right. Um, and I was like, oh my god, I love her even more now. Oh my now. god, she's that strong and she's <laughs> Cause, short. Cause she's, like, she's just yeah, like she's me. like me. I'm five two, and I'm like, I'm trying to imagine me doing all of the shit that she does. <laughs> <laughs> she was such a badass. Oh my god, right? I love that. That's... I have like a whole new level of respect that's for awesome. uh, for Ann Lister. So that's oh, awesome. that's so disappointing. I would say I'm jealous, but we'll be jealous when you reschedule. Okay, it. How's and maybe that? you all will come. That would be really fun. Yes. Yes, I know. Now that it's rescheduled, we'll have to to change our schedule. Oh, yeah. We'll just crash your your trip. (laughs) That's fine. Totally. (laughs) I got my Airbnb (laughs) in Halifax. (laughs) As we're talking about Ann Lester, I'm like, this is a good segue. Honestly, it's time, I think. Is it time? time. Okay. Uh I'm going to... I'm going to move us into, this is our last segment. Okay. We're going to do some Q and gays. Q and gay. Q and gay. Q. Q. And. Gay. So Q and gays, they're very, they're either yes or no or multiple choice questions uh, that we will ask you, Jennifer, based on our conversation. We also then put them up on our Twitter so that our listeners can answer. Awesome. So starting with question one, have you ever been the only LGBTQ plus person in the room? Oh my gosh. Um, yes. Hello. <laughs> Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> Question two: What part of queer life do you find yourself educating your colleagues on the most? A. Queer shows. B. Queer dating. C. Queer celebrities. Or D. Queer oh, events. Oh, I'd say probably D. Queer events. Yes, mm. for sure. What types of events? Like your like your Ann Lister weekend? I know exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean like pri- like Pride. I mean I'm I'm involved with um so many corporate gay groups and they're all about events. I mean we laugh mm-hmm. and we say it's food, fun, and famous people and flags. Like it's like a constant. Oh my god! You know, uh, like cultural celebrations and um, Pride stuff. And so I think I'm probably um, I think that's a way straight people learn. events are fun. They're celebrations. I mean, they're great times to get to know the community when the community is celebrating and, and when allies are very welcome too, I think. So also dinners, fundraisers for all the advocacy nonprofits. Like I'm constantly at, you know, like the HRC dinner um, and people bring their straight friends or their head of HR or their CEO. um, And it's just like, it just blows people's minds to be in those rooms. And I've seen just how transformative it is and so fun and like ends up being like their favorite thing ever and they can't wait to go. And so I, I they're like, yeah. this is what gay people are like all the time. All the time. <laughs> they're so witty and, like, and yes. fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they clean up nice. <laughs> exactly. We know how to party. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> Question three. Uh, does your company have an LGBTQ group? Well, I'm a self-employed person with a team. So funny enough, I'm actually, uh, there's only a a few LGBTQ people on my largely straight cisgender team, actually. Mm. So, um, yeah, so that's been, um, I, I don't know. You should start a group. I know, right? We, I mean, we <laughs> help those groups. Like, that's what we build. I literally, when I started my business 10 years ago, the first clients I had were LGBT groups that, that needed a speaker or that wanted to sit down with me to build their strategy. So I literally, like, that was how I cut my teeth on what I do now was making sure that they weren't just food, fun, and famous people. 
right? That they, they weren't just pride once a year, but that they were actually positioning themselves to be business partners, meaning mm. we can help you attract LGBT talent. We can help the brand. We can help guide marketing and product development. We can help inform sales. Um, we, we're sort of the intel inside for, the, for any sort of institution. So we actually have, have helped build a million of those and not just LGBT groups, but women's groups and all ethnicity-based groups and veterans and generations and like all the, all the diversity networks. We are kind of very well known for that. So it's, pretty, it's, um, it's been a real education and, and a privilege to see how those have grown to like have thousands of people in them and having like massive org charts and global structures and like executive, you know, buy-in and like, it's just really cool to see how they've grown. Executive gays. Ex- yeah. Some executive, executive gays when we're lucky. When some many times it's a straight ally executive sponsor, but you know, mm. we'll take it. Straight, so we'll they need there. to learn too. Baby steps. <laughs> Question number four. How much of your full self do you bring to work? A twenty-five percent, B fifty percent, C seventy-five percent, or D a hundred percent? I would say D. I would say D. But interesting, I wanna point out that you know, I'm not just my LGBTQ identity. So when you say how much do you bring to, of yourself to mm. work, I think there's other, for example, uh, I don't even know, I'm not a very operations minded person. So it's, it's something that I feel like insecure about given that I'm, a, I'm leading a company. Like, so there's things that I'm very uncomfortable about doing that I need to do in my role that I know that I'm not good at. And so I, you know, there, there's certain twisting that I do around to compensate. Or I used to hide that I was an artist and an opera singer for years. Were you ashamed of your opera singing I just background? didn't think. I'm oh my God. We would have you singing <laughs> for us every day. Right, well, that's the me? problem. They have you sing and they think they you're entertainment you sing, and yeah. they don't think you're smart yeah. or whatever they don't think. And I'm like, that's not okay. So I, mm-hmm. I hid that for a long time. Um, anyway, so when you ask that question like that, I would say it's been a struggle to bring my full self um, all along, I think stylistically, personality-wise, you know, a lot of respects for me. Okay, well, you come work here and we'll make like a hot female trio singing group and it'll be great. <laughs> awesome. I'm down. Sweet. <laughs> Question five. Would you prefer a boss who A, looks like you, B, talks like you, C, acts like you, or D, is nothing like you? Oh my gosh. Oh, I love that question. I would say C is acts like or maybe mm-hmm. B and C hybrid, I would say. Like, just, um, gosh, that makes life so much easier. Um, <laughs> I'm so extroverted. I'm a total feeler. So I can imagine that boss and, and I just um, vibing and sort of intuitively understanding each other maybe and, and understand and appreciating each other. But, but there is beauty in difference. And I actually am also a huge fan of the complimentary, um, mm. you know, and all the magic that's created when you really compliment each other and you're not clones. So I don't know. I'd have to think I could argue that one a lot of different ways. That's a really good question. What do people say? <laughs> you can say? only pick one. It's one letter. Well, what do people know, we'll, say mostly? We'll see. We'll see when we put it up. Okay, cool. We'll see what people think. Oh, yeah. It goes up the week the episode awesome. goes up. So we don't know yet. Oh, my well, gosh. Yeah, I want to find that. out. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, you can also give us your own answers to this episode's Q and Gay questions on our Twitter at Let's Hangout Pod. Jennifer, thank you so much for hanging out with us oh my today. Gosh, so this fun. has been such a blast. Thank Where you. can our listeners find you on social media, your website, all that good stuff? All that good stuff. So um, let's go through the litany of social media. Jennifer Brown Consulting dot um, uh, com is our website. I have a personal website that's more my speaker, author, podcaster website, which is Jennifer Brown Speaks. 
so you could kind of visit both and get a sense of sort of the two stream work streams that I focus on. Um, Jennifer Brown Consulting on LinkedIn, Facebook. I'm at Jennifer Brown on Twitter. Yes, I've been on a long time. I don't know how I got that handle, um, but I, I do love Twitter. I learned so much about diversity on Twitter. Um, it's excellent and sometimes really hard, but really good. Um, it's such a good place to follow people. It is. And there's so much yeah. like really good dialogue and people being honest and particularly for allyship, I think it's critical to be a witness to the conversations that are going on in community and be yeah. kind of a fly on the wall. It's something that is so rare and, and yet really important. Um, in Instagram, I'm at Jennifer Brown Speaks and I have a podcast, as you said before, called The Will to Change, True Stories of Diversity and Inclusion. So you can find that on various platforms. And then lastly, I have two books. One is called Inclusion, my first in 2017, and then How to Be an Inclusive Leader, which came out last fall. And there's an assessment in the book. There's a model you can apply. It's, it's a good, quick read. And it's a great pass-along book for those lovely, aspiring allies who are kind of clueless. <laughs> It's kind of who Very I wrote cool. it for. I'm like, buy it as a present this. for some friends. Here's some pre Yeah, you might want to read this, <laughs> like before you say the wrong thing again. <laughs> awesome, thank you. And we will have all of those links up on our website as well for anyone who wants to find them. Jennifer will also be doing an Instagram story takeover this week, so make sure you send in your questions. Log on to our Instagram. Let her know what you want to know. I already have so many more questions. So I'll be happy <laughs> same, questions same, on our Instagram same. story takeover. Awesome. Um, but we hope we see you there. Jennifer, thank you so much for hanging out with us. This has been a this delight. This great. Oh, I'm so glad. I feel so, so warm and in community with you both. So and Yay. thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Let me hear you say hip, 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 hip. Yeah. We love hearing from you and building our community, so we want to shout out some of our favorite things each episode. I would like to give a huge shout out, number one, to everyone who came to our Monona Earp trivia night. We had an absolute blast. Erpers are some of the most generous people ever. We had most of our winners donate their winnings back, and I just want to say thank you. You're all wonderful. But the more important thing <laughs> that I want to talk about is the potatoes. <laughs> who came to Winona Herb Trivia Night. So Our favorite potatoes. Our favorite potatoes. We had a team from France who all showed up as potatoes on their green screens. At midnight, their local time. Yes. So number one, dedication. Number two, creativity. Number three, joy. <laughs> it, was, it was beautiful. It was so beautiful. I'd like to give a personal shout out to Elodie, who after Winona Herb Trivia Night, binged our whole show in about, what, two or three days, <laughs> listened to like 15 episodes, became a patron, is now hanging out with us at our next patron hangout. And I just know that this little potato is going to be one of my favorite new patrons. This this is this is what we live for. Let's yes. just put it that way. This is like our favorite thing. So we just, we want to shout out all the potatoes and especially you, Elodie. We're so happy. We're so happy to have you in our crew now. It's oh, great. yes. I also want to shout out uh, a user on Twitter, Shields, who messaged us to say how much joy the podcast brings them. They said they were out on a walk listening to one of our recent episodes. Um, and it's just, you know, it seems like a silly small thing, but literally those messages just I just smiled so big for like the next hour because it just makes us really happy to know that we help brighten people's days so thank you shields for reaching out it meant a lot for us to hear it we'd also like to thank our lesbian Jesus patrons Tanya Ferguson Jess Klaus Danny Griswold 
Sarah and Julia, Carrie and Lawrence, Mark Foster, Danny Gunlock Tamora, Audrey O'Connor, Alana Rosen, Kayla Kelly, and Tara Gleason. And we would like to thank our King Princess patrons, Lizette Stye, Leah Henley, and Amy and Ellen. And our sponsorship and patron, Wendy K. Bartlett, who would like to remind you all to support your local arts, especially during this time. Thank you for always helping us out, Wendy. Remember, you can also find us on all the social medias, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Les Hangout Pod. You can email us at leshangoutpod at gmail.com. Make sure you check out our website at leshangoutpod.com. In whatever app you use to listen to podcasts, make sure that you subscribe, and that way you'll get new episodes as soon as they go up. We're also posting videos on our YouTube channel, so make sure you subscribe at youtube.com slash leshangoutpod to catch them. If you want to help support the podcast, there are so many different ways that you can do that. The first, it's free. It's easy. Go on the Apple Podcast app and leave us a rating and a review. Uh, A, we love reading them, and B, it helps other people find the podcast. I've seen some new reviews up on there too, so thank you to everyone who has been rating and reviewing us. If you want to support us financially, you can do that at bit.ly slash lespatreon. We have all kinds of cool perks. We have patron-only Discord. We are having a lot of hangouts. We just had last week a really awesome hangout with some of our patrons on Zoom. So we're trying to build as much community as we can for our patrons, and we hope to see more of you there. Um, the other way that you could support us, you can find our store at bit.ly slash lesshop, and you can load up on some sweet, sweet swag. Get your shirts, get your tanks, get your mugs. All the stuff that you need to, you know, look super gay on a nice fancy Zoom call. Pride is upon us. It is coming. Yes. And like I said, we will not let pride die. So get your pride <laughs> merch. Bit.ly slash It's going to be shop. virtual pride this year, y'all. Virtual pride. So you can wear a different shirt every day of the whole June. You're not spending any money going out or flying to New York for pride. So buy all our merch. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. No pressure. If you want to find us individually, you can find me at Ellie Brigida on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at LSH Foster. With that, I'm Ellie. And I'm Lee. And, and let's, let's hang, hang out, out again, again soon. soon. Let's hang out. out.